This is the Blaze and Access podcast, disability news and perspective for Monday, January 22nd. I'm Blaze Bryant, hoping you had a great weekend. This is a tribute episode to Diane Lucy, otherwise known as Doc. Unfortunately, Doc passed away last week. Doc helped found the moving message on the campus of the College of St. Rose in 2010. The moving message is a walk to raise both money and awareness for speech disorders and traumatic brain injuries. In 2013, promoting the fourth annual walk, when I was a student at St. Rose, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Julie Hart, who is a speech professor, Jale La Liberty Lavasani, who at the time was a communication sciences and disorders major, and Melissa Chirini, who lives with a traumatic brain injury and a communication disorder. Here's that conversation from September 2013 in its entirety. Julie, I want to start with you. Sure. Uh, how did this walk uh, come into existence? Because it is now the fourth annual walk. Right. Well, in back in 2000. Nine. One of the uh, participants in some of our communication groups, she had trained for a walk, a uh, mile-long walk that was gonna, that was being sponsored by another organization called Strides for Stroke. That organization canceled the walk the following year, and yet um, Doc, Eileen Lucy, the participant who um, was training for it, had trained and was was really discouraged that she wasn't able to to walk to to do that mile walk after training for it. So she came into group one day and said, "What am I going to do?" And I said, "Why don't we hold a walk?" And uh, Melissa, who's going to share yeah. with us today her story, um, she said yes. Another participant said yes, and Doc said absolutely not, no. and didn't think we could do it. No way. And but. You know, long to make a long story short, she uh, agreed with us, and we f- formed the first walk in January of twenty of two thousand ten, and walked that May, two thousand ten was the first annual one. Okay, and why was the walk for Strides for Stroke canceled, Dina? No one's really been able to to target uh, the reason for that that was canceled. I just have to say that we're we're really grateful here that it was <laughs> because it started a whole new um, wave of awareness and obviously fundraising here at the college. And take us through what that first walk was like, getting everything set up that needed to be set up. Uh, it was painful. We had, <laughs> oh, yes. We had, <laughs> we had no money. It was whatever money was in our pockets, and we had, none of us had ever done any um, fundraising or um, organizing any large events. So that first walk, we had over 100 people come, though, and we did raise $3,000 for the Mark Ilvesacker Scholarship Fund. Dr. Ilvesacker was one of our uh, faculty who's well-known internationally for his work that he's done with people with brain injury, and he had passed away that the previous spring. So we did the walk in his honor to raise money for his scholarship. Yeah. It was after that that we changed to the Moving Message Fund, where we actually sp- support people who have had stroke and brain injury and are unable to obtain long-term speech services. Melissa, what do you remember from the first walk? Mm. I remember a little nervous, but maybe five, ten minutes so nervous, but after that, so happy to be here and all everyone enjoying the 
the moving message, understand why uh, everyone's different, but everyone's come together and make a challenge and get, I could do that. I could do that. Awesome. And uh, 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 every year now, a lot of people come together and, and help out uh, volunteers or mm-hmm. donate um, uh, donate other things and helping out to raise awareness about the, the cause, get services. And what about it? Do you remember what made you nervous after the first few minutes or, or during the first few minutes? I was nervous about almost like everyone else got a, everyone else was fine, but me had a brain injury, so I'm scared of other people, but mm, maybe a lot of other people mm, had a brain injury too, all together, come together and says, everyone want to talk and talk about training. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Were you born with your brain injury? No. Uh, uh, almost 15 years ago, I had a brain injury. I was sledding, and and I hit the guardrail, and oh, had dear. a sh- and had a stroke, and after that, one had a one surgery, and then had a stroke after that mm-hmm. because I was bleeding out, because the guardrail hit real hard, so had a stroke after the surgery. But I I was 15, so I moved on very slowly making improvements every day yeah uh, i got a, a strive not strive i got motivation what motivation mm-hmm. i want to do it so i'm doing it jale yes. you were originally a business major when you came here your freshman year what made you want to become a speech major um, it actually ties back to high school. I was in a car accident in high school, and I sustained a traumatic brain injury from that. And um, it just made me want to help others with traumatic brain injury since it's such kind of like a huge epi- epidemic around the mm-hmm. world even. Um, and through the therapy that I received, like I made so much progress, and I realized if um, so much therapy is provided that other people can make progress and I just wanted to help Mm -hmm. and that's great you talk about therapy and as I mentioned in the introduction one of these services that is being raised for funds is therapy what either any one of you can answer this actually it'd be cool to get all of your perspectives on this okay what does the therapy consist of? Hmm. All different types uh, uh, stroke or brain injury, but everyone's different. But, yeah. but I don't know. What's your... I think Melissa captures that by talking about the fact that everyone is different. So the the approach that we take here at St. Rose, which is a little bit different than, than other programs... Um, in the area is that we really look at, truly look at the brain as being plastic, as being, as having the capacity to continue to heal and continue to change and continue to grow. So every um, person that we work with here, we're working in what's 
called the project approach to therapy. We do structured therapy, which is tr- more traditional drill and practice, but a lot of it is in is more project approach where the, the person's working on a project to that it happens to work on their writing and their reading and their thinking and speaking. Um, this itself becomes part of the project for Melissa and for Melissa's mm-hmm. therapy is to get ready for this radio show, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. So the, the therapy is very functional with regard to what needs to be done in that person's current life. Jelai? Yes, I mean, I agree with that. The particular therapy I had was pretty similar. Um, it ranges from, you know, speech to physical therapy. People can, um, if they need that, or occupational therapy or um, cognitive rehabilitation. But um, again, going off of what Julie said, I think it's really awesome how at the College of St. Rose it is so functional mm-hmm. because that really helps because it helps them general helps people generalize that to the everyday life. Right. Julie, what is it that um, St. Rose does differently? I know you said that the brain and how you look at it is differently. How do other programs tend to look at the brain? I think it's it's and I and I should clarify myself. It's not a judgment of other programs. It's a judgment of where we are with our health um, healthcare provision, because other facilities are restricted in terms of where they can provide therapy. Whereas here, I have the flexibility to work with. Uh, Melissa in a variety of situations, whether we're at a store or yep. we're in her apartment or we're working on the computer at my office. Anything. Uh, I'm, uh, I try in doing uh, practice on my own, but I need help a little. I need help. So Julie and I and some students practice that mm-hmm. before going out community and do that. Mm-hmm. So we, in terms of providing support and kind of getting you set for something so that you that do have that kind of success. Yeah. And, the, and it's flexible. And it's, you know, Melissa taught and has taught in a couple of my classes and both at the graduate and the undergraduate level. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Speak to all the students and say, uh, uh, I'm talking for other, uh, other students becoming speech uh, therapy. Here is here is the story. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So we have the expert because who else is going to be an expert in communication disorders after stroke or brain injury than that particular person who's been through it? So it's really um, you know having Melissa come to the class and present and speak as the expert on communication disorders, which is really functional for people and really reinforcing, I think, too, because mm-hmm. it's it's we're not isolating people; we're actually pushing them in the opposite direction. Melissa, do you, when you teach in these classes or do uh, some sort of a presentation, do you find that a lot of students ask you questions? Yes, a lot of questions, but I'm open for anything because maybe 10 years ago I was so nervous speaking, but I have the courage to do no problem speaking because Julie helping me. He had a brain injury, so let's work on other things, building foundation, and then no problem, move on. So I I don't mind speaking to not be nervous. (laughs) And how long do you think it took you to uh, come to terms with your brain injury and in the sense of being able to 
speak to people openly about it? Um, almost 10 years. I was maybe seven or eight years. I was, I, my mind says I'm different from everyone else. Sure. Uh, everyone had a brain to become different. But after that, I went to, um, the Neuropsychological Rehabilitation Center in Albany and all, uh, all the workers, all the, uh, the coaches, coaches. the coaches mm-hmm. told me everyone had a brain injury, so you need to work on tools to recover. And and after that, I've realized that, and then no, no problem moving on mm-hmm. and do but get it, in therapy. But it took you a good seven, yeah. eight years to really accept, come to terms with where you were with regard to your injury. Yeah, some people, no problem, exception, no problem, two, three months, and then no problem dealing with, for me, a lot more time. Maybe I was 15, so I was not aware of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that, or I don't know what, something and Jale, you said in high school that you experienced your brain injury. How do you think you are doing in terms of coming to terms with yours? Um, I've actually come a long way. Like similar with Melissa, it took me a while to accept it. Like when I came to college, um, I had to register through the disability center and get accommodations for testing and stuff like that. And just going there was like. A huge thing because in high school I mean I didn't really have to study much I got really good grades but it all changed and like I had to work mm-hmm. really really hard to get good grades or um, what have you so um, just going and approaching the professors about my accommodations was like so nerve-wracking like it was such yeah. a big deal mm-hmm. um, and just you know some of my friends finding out it, you know I was more hesitant about telling people but now that was in 2010 when I had my accident I'm way more open about it and I think a lot has to do with being in this major and helping other people gain awareness like if you keep it you know what I mean under the rug like no one's gonna know about it and it is something that really needs to be talked about yeah yeah Mm, that's great as I said before to raise it uh, the moving message is a walk to raise money and awareness Mm -hmm. Take us through, Julie, the financial struggles of therapy. So, yeah, that's interesting because it it truly is a divided cause in terms of we really do need to raise funds for people who have um, have sustained a brain injury or have had a stroke and as a result have difficulty communicating. So in the first three, four, five months of their recovery, that those services are provided, they're covered. But by the time someone gets discharged and is now an outpatient, when they're done with their short outpatient stint of rehabilitation, they they get discharged back home and basically into this kind of limbo of, I really can't communicate that effectively. I have no services anymore. What do I do? What's out there for me? So, um, so the strain comes when a family has to decide, can they afford to private pay for it? Or does someone qualify for Medicaid services and as a result qualify for what's called the Traumatic Brain Injury Waiver, which is basically 
a carve out allowing um, long term services to be provided. But when you don't, when you can't either afford a private pay and your private insurance has cut out and you don't qualify for Medicaid, we have a lot of people falling through the cracks. And if we yeah. think about a traditional session, individual session costing 70 plus dollars, um, 66 if you pay on the day of service, um, that adds up when you think about someone potentially needing services three or four times a week so that they can continue to make those gains over the period of time. And not many families have the, the ability to pay for that, particularly when someone has lost their job because of their inability to communicate or lost their job because they physically are impaired to a point where they're unable to work. And so we look at folks with literally no money but trying mm-hmm. to improve. And one of the consequences is that those are folks who end up sitting home alone or sitting mm-hmm. home with not a lot of people to communicate with. Just and watch TV. Just watching TV and not making that change. Yeah. We know that when we get people out, we are preventing depression. We're improving their quality of life. We're improving their ability to contribute to the community. I mean, I look at Melissa and the things that she's done over this past five years here is, is pretty remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, talk about some of those remarkable things that you have done over the last five years. Um, hmm. uh, I might have to speak up at this one. Yeah, that's okay. I, don't, I don't know so what. G- Melissa got her GED. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, after I uh, went to a, a neuropsychological rehabilitation center, and I said, Maybe I'll go back to class and get a GED because maybe I'll get a job or do other things. Mm-hmm. I have that one year, and then I got I get a GED. Awesome. That's easy. I can do it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and this, what's, what I think has to be pointed out that's amazing about this is that this is a, a young woman who, at the time of getting her GED, did not have the communication ability that she has today. And, and that, and by that I mean her reading and writing, speaking and understanding took so much effort and so much um, energy and work. A lot more time. Yeah. A lot but, more time. But since then, if I can just brag about you, if that's okay, not only, <laughs> not only the okay, GED, okay. but the, not only the GED, but then you took a course at Hudson Valley and you, you really exceeded in that course. And then you've also made a number of videos for, oh, on YouTube, on YouTube yeah. because yeah. one of the things Melissa does, given that she has a, a right hemiparesis, so the right side of her body is paralyzed, she's adapted her ability to do anything and everything from... Mm. I love cooking. Right. So I love cooking. So I made a video on YouTube doing... Uh, I was making uh, chicken fajitas and using all the tools and one any tools to do it. And... Um, uh, last year, I made another uh, on YouTube another video. Just made uh, made uh, oh oh tie my shoe with uh, one hand. I knew I had to do it, which <laughs> so, is amazing because yeah. I can't tie them with two hands exactly. and two people helping me. <laughs> There's a reason why I'm wearing keen slip-on shoes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's not it. It's just because of the weather today. <laughs> yep, I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's true. It's those kinds of things that she doesn't hesitate to do. And then, like I said, teaching in in class and the, at both the graduate and undergraduate level and, and really taking on a number of challenges like that. How can people find these videos? Um, like, what do they search for in YouTube? One-handed uh, um, 
chicken fajitas or a one-handed uh, shoe tithing. Yep. Do okay. That. <laughs> Do um, I would definitely encourage anyone listening to check those out. I certainly will be. <laughs> Thank you. Without question. Yeah. Absolutely. Jale, you talked about how you didn't have to study in high school, and now you do because of the brain injury. Uh, how do you go about, or how did you go about creating those study habits? Actually, a lot of those stu- study habits I learned um, in cognitive rehabilitation because the therapist wanted to know what I needed help with. And at the time, it was school and how to be successful in school because that was one of my top goals. Mm. Um, and just developing, like, okay, we have to plan ahead of time from, you know, getting a planner and writing, like, every detailed thing, like, you know, study math at this time and stuff like that. So getting a plan down and then just... Um, making visuals or rewriting things to memorize things or like even talking out loud like if I'm studying for a test like talk to myself to help myself remember so it was just figuring out like really what worked best for me and taking my time with that and I just developed a way that it works for me and uh so far it's been going pretty well (laughs) that's for sure yeah what's your what's your GPA yeah um a three nine And this is why this is why we're all here to talk about the awareness and raising awareness for Mm -hmm. people to succeed with brain injuries and other uh, communication disorders. Now, in the few minutes that we have left, I want to get into what is going on. Saturday. I understand that there's there are going to be simulations, there are going to be booths, mm-hmm. there there are going to be little helpful tips on the sidewalks to help people realize and help people uh deal with uh talking to someone not necessarily just with a brain injury or cognitive or communication disorder, but someone with a disability in general. Right. Blaze, I think it's about really recognizing one of the things we hope to do on Saturday, which we've done over the last couple of years, is really try to raise the awareness for people that despite someone's difficulty communicating, they're still a human being. And I think giving people permission to say, to approach someone who has, whether it's a physical disability or a communication impairment, but the ability to just be approached, just look at me, make eye contact. Slow down, Mm -hmm. just other people, just take time and how and, and ask the person a question, something like that. Mm-hmm. Just get awareness, awareness out. Yeah, that that you can succeed. That you you don't have to be set aside in a quiet room and not spoken to. It's rather you you'll make far more gains the more you're spoken to, the more you're engaged with. So I think that's the word we want to get about. There's music there. There's free food. There are raffle prizes that we yeah. are raffling off a gazillion of them, and mm-hmm. just an, um, the the awareness events themselves that Jale is helping to organize and put together, as well as something we call the Faces of the Moving Message, which is a series of 10 um, pictures and biographies written by the participants in the groups that allow you to see kind of where they came from and who they who they are as people. One is a fact of kind of raising awareness, wow, this is this can happen to any of us at any point. And two, like, don't don't look by me. Don't look past me. Don't think that I can't do something because I can and I'm able to. So I think that's the goal. 
There was an article written in the Chronicle, the St. Rose Chronicle, a couple of years ago, and it was really such a very short, sweet, perfect phrase. Talk to me, not my aide, yes. which was one of the tips <laughs> yes. that was alongside the sidewalk. Yes. Jale, take, take me through uh, or take us through what uh, some of these uh, events that you're organizing are. Well, I'm part of the awareness committee, and some of the activities that we're going to have if we come up to the booth um, simulate some of the experiences that you may have if you have a stroke or traumatic brain injury. For instance, um, putting an of, of glove on and it's on your non-dominant hand and trying to pick something up or trying to write a check um, to simulate paresis in that side of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what does an of glove look like? Um, <laughs> it's kind of like a mitten. Okay. Um, so your your like pointer finger and all the rest of your fingers are separate from your thumb, but they're like all together. So gripping is difficult. Difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that helps to simulate. So you're simulating more of the physical disability that oftentimes goes along with brain injury and stroke. Now, are these simulations that Julie you and the department have come up with, or are these simulations that are pretty standard across the board in terms of events like this? Yeah, pretty standard. One, there there are not a lot of events like this, but there are a couple of resources that have been published that talk about how to increase awareness in people who are interacting with you. And so, there, you know, Jale is also doing a series of communication simulations that get you or give you the idea of what it's like to only be able to communicate using one, two, or three words and still mm. trying to get your message out, which is something that's common, right? Melissa, you experienced that. Yeah, you experienced that firsthand, obviously. Oh, yeah. Not being able to communicate. Mm, very much. Mm. No, I have aphasia, so I I want to say something, but very hard to say it, so I to have uh, tools to get point across. Julie Hart, Jale La Liberty Lavasani, and Melissa Chimerini talking about the fourth annual moving message from September of 2013. I hope and pray something like this will continue to happen despite the closure of the College of St. Rose. I really had a great time in the years I was able to attend the walk They created these extremely educational and wonderful simulations of what it is like to have different symptoms of traumatic brain injuries and other disabilities. It really is a very impactful and powerful moving message for sure. Blaze and shows at gmail.com. That's B L A I S I N shows at gmail.com. Follow the Blaze and Access podcast on your favorite podcast platform and share the show and subscribe as well. If you have a minute or two, I'd be grateful if you left a rating and a review. A note about our transcripts they are generated by artificial intelligence or AI and are not perfect. However, they do give you a baseline understanding as to the conversation. Tune in for more disability news and perspective tomorrow. 
I'm Blaze Bryant, and thank you for listening to the Blaze and Access podcast, amplifying disability perspective one story at a time. Have a great day.